welcome to episode two of Chitu Chatu. We're your hosts, Ashok Kunabolo and Julianne Escobedo Shepard. Today we're here with Monique Rivera. Monique is a woman of many talents and areas of expertise. A student in the PhD program of entomology at Rutgers, she is specializing in plant-insect interactions. If entomology does not work out, Monique has a bright future in the production, development, and sale of nail varnish, about which her knowledge is unparalleled. Monique, welcome to Chitty Chatty. Hey. Hi. <laughs> um, so, how does one get into entomology? Um, I think you're either bound to do it or you come through the back door, for lack of a better way of explaining <laughs> it. For me, I wanted to go to art school initially in high school. And my mom kind of crushed those dreams. So when I started my bachelor's degree at University of Delaware, I was like, maybe I'll do art history. And then I kept taking biology, take, taking biology classes. And then I just decided like, okay, bugs are something that I'm aesthetically interested in. So let's run with it. Whoa, that's, well, that's awesome. Pretty cool. <laughs> so you chose them because you think they look awesome? <laughs> um, well, it's two things. I think as a kid watching uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, like the ant, I mean, they definitely developed this sort of sympathy for me. Uh, but really, it was just that it just seemed obvious after I had taken my first entomology class that that's what was interesting. But I think ultimately it's a perception thing. Like the idea that if you change your perception uh just on a size scale you can perceive things differently that was always something that really excited me whoa why I didn't work on like bacteria or something i guess you know i just couldn't get into that yeah microscope's awful were you, were you into insects when you were younger like did you inter like touch them and watch um, them in the grass I, until i like started getting bit by them then i was like all right i'm over this but mm. uh i used to be really into those things that people call roly-polies isopods which are sort of related to bugs P pill bugs those yeah things? pill bugs they're there on your carpets a lot of the time those things hmm, i've never seen them on a carpet i've like i used to lift up rocks and see them wandering around yeah under like, under like rugs yeah. and stuff like welcome mats yeah yeah the urban things, the urban yeah. pill bugs i'm completely yeah i don't know where you <laughs> live in but <laughs> yeah. we, we don't got any pill bugs really um, what did you do to them um, mostly just this whole thing of like, okay, you would scare them into rolling and then it's like, how can I coerce them to come unrolled again? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so why that is, I feel like I did that to you as a kid. What is that? How, why do they roll up like that? Um, it's just a defensive response. It's the same thing as like an armadillo. Like, right. Just going to roll up and shelter up. Are they related to the armadillo? <sighs> no, because once you get into m mammals or terrestrial larger land animals because armadillos still have skeletons in them so the big deal about insects is that their skeleton is on the outside right and so um they're more related to like crabs and crustaceans that type of thing so it's really that exoskeleton that i think breaks them out yeah are they edible roly-polies uh, i mean they're kind of right? tiny i would want to get the most bang for my buck if i was going to eat something nasty yeah have you ever eaten bugs? No. I mean, <laughs> it's just like I'm not an entomologist in that way. And I, I definitely work with people who are like that that are into just like every single aspect of it. But for me, I definitely feel like I'm ultimately more of like an ecologist, like looking at interactions with other things. I definitely 
if somebody has a large insect, I'm not the. Fr- I'm usually like, you hold it. I want to watch you hold it. I don't really, really want it on me. <laughs> What's the largest insect you've interacted with? The largest? I mean, probably some really large foreign like stick insects. We used oh, to do these okay, outreach yeah. things at in this museum in North Carolina and these kids would come up and hold stuff like that and I was always just like, yeah, you hold it, but if something goes terribly wrong with it, I'm not that person who's going <laughs> to save you. <laughs> so there's this kid who works in my lab who is a Polish immigrant named Wodek and he is like the real entomologist of our lab i always tell him that but he ordered all these because he's going to make one of those like shadow boxes displays and he spent like 500 dollars. i mean that was just Whoa. one of them so there's this kid who works in my lab who is a polish immigrant named wodek and he is like the real entomologist of our lab i always tell him that but he ordered all these because he's going to make one of those like shadow boxes displays and he spent like 500 dollars. i mean that was just Whoa. one of them that's crazy. What's a shadow box? Just those like basically like a white background and then it's just three dimensional. Like it's like you put three dimensional things in it. So when the light shines in it, you'll see the shadow of the three dimensional thing you have hanging mm. there. It's common with like buggy type crap. Mm. But it's also a kind of crafting. Yeah, also. it's definitely crafty. <laughs> <laughs> People like to get crafty with bugs because I mean, you just have that exoskeleton. That's that's the winning yeah thing i mean with humans it's like or mammals you just have all this preservation to keep it look looking similar to when it was filled with water and living Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) but with bugs it's like the game is real out there people are out there buying selling collecting over like just destroying populations because they want you know this color morph of something whoa that's awesome i didn't know that it's definitely really creative bug underground for their b- dead bodies and stuff <laughs> um i would actually say like trading mammals is definitely more lucrative but i think that because people tend to not think of insects as animals like i think people just go to hell with it they're like whatever i'm just gonna hmm. collect all these and feel no shame right. Whoa. this is one job that entomology degrees can lead to but just checking taking a sample of whatever comes over on those box shipment boat things and being able to identify what insects are there and if it has, you know, a potentially invasive species, just saying refusing to let that enter. But stuff moves because we're moving stuff and you can't possibly check every yeah, single thing. Yeah, that sounds like a futile effort. <laughs> yeah, like cut, like kudzu in the south. I mean, that's yeah. from China and it's... It's actually, I mean, as depressing as it is, it's killing all these trees. It looks really amazing. It's like right. these weird creatures growing out of yeah, the trees. Yeah, what is kudzu? I've heard that. I've heard about what is there a bad cartoon strip called that right? Is there? <laughs> yeah, that's how I know it. I actually don't even know what what that is. Um, I've never heard of that. Is it some sort of anime thing that you're into secretly? <laughs> the cartoon strip? No, yeah. it's like a very bad. Why would there be an anime car- cartoon strip in the newspaper? I don't know. You know, you don't Kudzu. know this. Like some of these nerdier cities. <laughs> Whoa, okay you're right Whoa, there really is one that's so weird that's i don't even i didn't even know what that was named after whoa it looks horrible <laughs> yeah what this is guy that looks thing? like some sort of like puritan is that like a fungus or something like that no it's a plant it's uh. yeah see it makes these like weird it overgrows everything and makes these sort of like animal looking things oh whoa. It's like so muppet insane. level that's awesome. fuzzy that's so creepy that creeps me out actually 
looking at that. That's well, why the stuff is sort of like creepy and haunting and gothic. Right? Well, the reason there's some sort of like temperature gradient border for it move because it doesn't happen up here because it basically gets too cold in the winter. So it yeah. can't survive the winter. It dies off. But in the South, like, I just don't think there's anything they can do about it. Oh, that's so crazy. Um, one of my former advisors was working on uh, a weevil as a biocontrol agent. So um, I kind of feel like that's not going to work either. But Wait, what's a weevil? It isn't weevil, like, can you, like, but I'm so fascinated by this. <laughs> I have so many questions. But um, can, so isn't there a weevil that um, develops in, like, old cereal? Like, if you have cereal hanging around for a long time, like, it will develop weevils? Out um, of nowhere? That's impossible. I don't know. There's, like, like they, some they, things. They spontaneously There's definitely generate. grain pests. Like, that would probably be considered a grain pest. But I can't, I definitely can't think of a Isn't there that famous weevil, the it. bowl weevil? Didn't that cause trouble yeah. during the There's dust a huge, bowl or something? Yeah, a huge statue of that <laughs> in Mobile, I guess, Alabama. Mm. Yeah. Because it, they made a statue to it because it forced them to get away from growing just cotton. They've actually eradicated that, so good job, guys. Oh, the bull wow. weevil doesn't exist anywhere? Um, they just monitor super hard for it. Uh -huh. um, so if it does show up, they pretty much treat and destroy. I am in the lab playing with nematodes for my current project. And uh, like on a field day, I might go out in the woods and collect wild blueberry plant material or collect soil samples. So any gamut of things, I just, we just got, my lab just bought two six-arm olfactometers, so that'll be, that? <laughs> they're basically just, they collect volatile chemicals from whatever you put in them, and the six arms are so you can create these treatments of, of attractiveness for nematodes that I'll be putting in the, in the middle of it. So basically what I work on is right now is like the below ground ecology um, so basically what we're trying to quantify is plant volatiles from the blueberry plant that attract nematode species to a feeding herbivore on the roots. So that could be like a white grub, which I don't know, New York, do you know what that is? I have no Like if I've you dig up sod, you'll see like these little white kind of C-shaped, right. and those are beetle larvae. You can eat those too, right? You could totally eat those. Right, those are a good source of protein. I'm saying that would be a good bang for your buck. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> go larvae because what's up with the crunch? No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Dap really likes bugs and eating mm. bugs. No, I mean, I like uh, I like eating scorpions, and I don't think scorpions are, are insects, right? Are they? No, I think they're closely related to arachnids mm. more so than insects. But yeah. you close, still in still arthropods. Yeah. I've eaten uh I've eaten crickets. They were very uh they had a very metallic aftertaste and I didn't like them very much. But that's about it. There's this woman who wrote this article I read recently well not recently, within the last six months that she lived for an entire year only living eating potatoes because like they're actually deceptively high in protein like people don't talk about it and like she was totally i'm sure it was probably not that healthy like potato potatoes though not like french fries like actual potatoes probably baked and like you know she every single she meal, probably all, like she only ate potatoes yeah she probably like sprinkled like brewer's yeast or some hippie shit like that on mm. on it but like that was all she ate for an entire year like partly as an experiment but also partly like, she probably is a complete freak mm -hmm. 
What, but, what did she say at the end? She looked completely normal. And um, I don't know. She, she she's super sized. Run really. Yeah, I can't remember what you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> um, okay, so she you. She killed herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are. She a, killed herself unrelated to the potatoes. She just, <laughs> yeah. she just realized her her life was a waste. Yeah. It, it <laughs> um, you are a really big fan of Little B. That is half true. Okay. I think that he is... I kind of just like that he stirs up controversy. Although, I do feel like I'm Gay was a really great album. Like, it was super solid. I like that he was being positive. I do like that he's into positivity. Yeah. To me, I see him as being just this Buddhist rapper. Yeah. And it makes sense that he's from Berkeley. I mean, he's just a rapper that if you can imagine, that's exactly the stereotype of that locale. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I just feel like my problems with him are that he just doesn't, he basically just doesn't work very hard on his stuff. And like, (laughs) that's okay. Like you kind of accept that going in. But the thing about it is like out of the millions and millions of songs, as if maybe anyone was making millions and millions of songs, uh, you get some real gems in there. And also, let's talk about how, you know, Clams Casino, that was his thing. Yes. And people bought, like, just totally bought into it and then ripped the rug out. So it's like if you yes. have this guy who's just being super experimental and he discovers this gem of a thing and then you take the gem away and give it to everyone, then mm. I mean, it's that's no kind of a special. Thing, one problem I always have with Lil B, though, is that he never really properly credited any of the producers that he would ever have on any of his tracks which i think was a huge if not the biggest part of a lot of his success was that he always had really good production clams casino go i'm dude. so excited for him like, yeah if you ever interact with him like he's such a normal like down-to-earth dude and it's just like surprising i just everybody was like what music are you listening to to get this inspiration and he's just like I listen to rap yeah, and I don't know anything about how to dress well or whatever thing you're like throwing at him. And I just think that's super interesting. I think the fact that he's more of a, for lack of a better word, normal dude, that makes him all the more interesting and just makes me be like, I have to support this dude and his music's really good. Yeah. I think in Jersey to me, I have this whole theory that I'm just going to push here, but it seems like there's a (laughs) lot of pressures on people in Jersey specifically to be a certain way. And I'm sure it's similar in New York, but I guess you can sort of find these other niches here. Yeah. But it just seems like there's a general pressure to be a certain way in New Jersey. In like what way is that? Like this sort of bro culture. Jersey bro. Like it's just this kind of i don't know like pathway for communication between dudes yeah so i don't think if he were not i think if he wasn't raised in jersey i highly doubt he would be that dude right yeah um, give some exa- can you give some examples of uh of what makes bro, a jersey bro dude communications yeah. bro <laughs> communications you're loving it um i think just like anything, I mean, you could say the same thing about girls. It's just this kind of congregation around a certain style. You could say the same thing about girls in makeup right. or girls yeah. in, you know, oh, let's everybody buy the same shirt in a different color type thing. But for <laughs> dudes, I mean, I think the Jersey dudes are to a degree, and you see this on Jersey Shore, but the whole GTL yeah. is very much so a community around that. 
I don't know. I'm not like I don't think Jersey Shore is like a really good representation I of think like the that's cult, like the extreme like, limit. You yeah, know? right. Like it's just more people are more into and maybe this is in part like the Italian influence, but people are just very into like communicating and associating with each other. Right. And um, I mean, it's weird for me to talk about Jersey because I only live there. I'm like from Delaware. Yeah. Like, Poe dunk <laughs> which also we have to talk about because what is the culture of delaware uh i'm from dover so i can't i literally can't think of anywhere else that's like shittier and like sadder <laughs> like all of the sort of like pseudo high class culture that you get in suburban areas dover's completely lacking there's not a starbucks you know like you cannot get free wi-fi anywhere yeah and I just, I don't know. Like, I go back there and I'm like, did I grow up here? Like, is this really where I'm from? Because that's really sad. Yeah. Everybody's sort of friends with everybody. It's got the Southern kind of sense of, it's not very diverse. Um, there's black people, there's white people, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. It's weird because after having lived in the official South, I understand there's a different, there's these different grades of being country. And Dover is like, do you still have that New York, Baltimore, Philly influence? And, but people don't really get it. I don't think people have any sense of like how to get out, what to do. Like, I don't know very many people from my hometown who have left. And I'm sure you can. Yeah. And you mean, can relate. Yeah. Cheyenne, Wyoming is not a place a lot of people leave. And um, most of the people that I grew up with who did leave just basically went to Denver, Colorado, or Fort Collins, Colorado. Kind of seen as, like, a freak because you're not like everyone else kind of thing. One of the best things is, like, getting out and then going on Facebook and being like, ha-ha, like, everyone else sucks. Like, their lives are horrible. They're fucking, they've gotten, like, really fat and ugly and look, like, 20 years older than they actually are and have, like, seven bratty kids. And I'm like, ha-ha. You made fun of me in high school. No, you, your life sucks. Mm -hmm. I think I was just really in a bizarre place in high school because I wasn't necessarily like made fun of really. Like black girls used to make fun of me. Like that's who would make fun of me. And it was like, like I'd get made fun of for the way I walked or like. Did you walk funny? I'd be like, oh, Monique's pigeon toed. And I'd be like, all right, like, okay. <laughs> or like it just was always something like you're and it's always like the most like scathing thing it's like i'm gonna pick the one thing you can't change and i'm just gonna fucking burn you on it right <laughs> and it's like i think it was That's it awesome. was weird because like in terms of fighting in my high school things got pretty real yeah oh really yeah talk i about, definitely went to that. like this like super hood high school in the sense that like when i first got there everybody had to wear their id badge and have clear book bags and just like everybody was super freaked out about people bringing guns to school also clear book bags like are those readily available because i, I want like one they just <laughs> wanted yeah they just wanted us to be like retro 90s fashion yeah you know? but if i just they had forced you to buy one did they did they recommend a place to buy one at a discount no I mean that, that that that's like totally this like considerate New Yorker sensibility. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like once you get out of there it's just like fuck you dude like this is what we need you to do go figure it out. So like my best friends were like the the white gay dude and then like the chick whose parents were hippies. Like that was it. And I didn't hang out with anyone else in the school. I hung out with like older kids who were like drug addicts. For me, it was like I talked so much shit in high school that it was like any sort of relationship that I could potentially have had with other people. Yeah. I just was like, 
fuck you you're stupid this is stupid like unless people were just into having fun in the moment like that's what i was just all about so i guess when the kids that were two years younger than me started to come in that's like the people that i started hanging out with but always sat like the goth kids table yeah totally Uh, yeah were there other puerto ricans in your school there were two that i can think of actually this girl stacy soto which was totally like the quintessential like I'm so beautiful and like I'm so done up and like just she definitely had like the New Yorican feel to her and the other girl actually the first day of high school I sat next to her her name was Ida Rodriguez and for lack of a better way of discussing it like she goes hard in the paint like yeah she was the girl who would be fucking fighting everybody awesome and that's like, my kind of girl <laughs> and like day one she's like sitting next to me and be like oh you're puerto rican and she's like showing me all these pictures and to me having never been around puerto ricans because at catholic school i mean there was me and there was one other there was a black girl in my grade you were at catholic school and there were no puerto ricans hell no it's dover i mean that's the thing that's weird is it's like anywhere else like you might get some hispanics in a catholic school but philly new york everybody's like oh i'm from new york and it's like all right yeah i get it like you're not from here like just stop yeah (laughs) the fact of the matter is is you are here yeah totally um but definitely just with those two girls, I was like, all right. Like, St- I remember, I distinctly remember, like, Stacy being on swim team, and I was on swim team, and her and my mom just having, like, this total fucking powwow. And I was like, please. Like, just, I don't want to be a part of it. Like, that's always kind of been, in a way, because my dad's a Puerto Rican, he was the one who was just sort of dipped. Like, yeah. totally, like, predictable Puerto Rican male dad thing. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of like... Not that I wanted to abandon that side of me because I think later on I figured it out and I was like, oh yeah, this is why this is like part of the reason why I'm different. Yeah, right. Like now I get it, but I used to always sort of like internalize that and judge myself, like, oh, I'm weird. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then I was like, but why am I weird? Like, why don't why don't white boys like me? Yeah, right. Like that was always my question. I was like, God, you know. And I was always so shameless about it too, like. I specifically remember like asking dudes out, like, "Do you want to go out with me?" Like in that, that's that, so like, awesome. That sixth cool. grader way, and like in them just grade? being, yeah, at the Damn, pool. son, you. I was like way what? too scared to do that. I, shit. In fifth grade, like no joke, I wrote a letter to this kid, uh, Tony Morrow. Like shout out to Tony Morrow. <laughs> wrote a letter to him, like straight up love letter, but like, like, oh, you know, I saw you in first grade, and I knew that like I really liked you. <laughs> And sent it to his house. Abby. <laughs> yes. oh, <man. laughs> he has two older sisters. And so, of course, you know, three days later, whatever, when he gets the mail and his whole family probably reads it, he brings it to school. But drugs were like really a big thing in my high school with the people I hung out with because Wyoming is incredibly boring. And when you're a teenager, there's like literally nothing to do other than just like get lifted and watch Sid and Nancy or something, mm. which is what we did a lot. But then I, then I discovered the joys of hallucinogenic drugs and it was all over. <laughs> no. I was like straight up, like, let me take some more acid. This shit is awesome. It was totally awesome. That was also, I didn't have any friends. I was totally like, you weren't doing drugs or anything. Mm-mm. Yeah. I was totally anti all that shit. Cause That's, you know, yeah. it was definitely a problem in my family yeah so i was like yeah i've seen that that's not that cool so i'm out yeah. 
So I definitely wrote a lot of people off. I was like, even like weed. I was like, if you smoke weed and you think that's cool, like we're just not going to get along. Yeah. Which looking back on it, it's like, that's pretty, that's a pretty strict regulation (laughs) on judging other human beings. Yeah. My mom's like insanely Mexican Catholic. So like she, like when I told her that I had smoked weed before, which was, I think I told her when I was like 25 or something, she like had a nervous breakdown. Oh my (laughs) God. My mom's the complete (laughs) opposite. She's totally a hippie. And I think the whole time I was growing up, she was like, why don't you loosen up? Like you don't get drunk. Like that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And I was always like, it's clearly not cool. Like, stop bothering me. Yeah. Like, totally. I think my mom would have been pleased with me had I been like a pregnant 18 year old. Whoa. Like, this was something to embrace. Now we have another, you know, kid to take care of. And I would have been like, oh, my God, I'm trapped here forever. Yeah. Dude, congrats for getting out. I do. <laughs> like, I do feel like that's the weird thing about being a Ph.D. student, because it's like you're given this whole other context. And it's like that's just this thing that I'm kind of preoccupied with right now. It has nothing to do with who I am, where I do <laughs> feel like I go to school with a lot of people that are like, I'm a PhD student. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. really, dude? Like, it's <laughs> not that serious. Yeah. Like, anybody can do it. It's so fucking easy. Do good in school, get a PhD. It's really <laughs> not that complicated. Like, I don't, because I never had, like, good SAT scores. I didn't really do all that hot in high school. I had to, like, turn it around in undergrad and be like, oh, I'm going to, like, flip this. Yeah. And make it into something good. It's also like I think being from Dover versus probably being from like New York or whatever is like it just doesn't seem like there's other routes. Yeah. You don't have people being like successfully creative in any way, shape or form. Yeah, dude, seriously. I'm like everybody in my family is just so normal, normal, normal. And it's just kind of like if you don't see somebody in your family doing it, you have to be pretty ballsy. I was going to take the test to be, I'd gotten, I'd filled out some sort of form and had had dates scheduled to be, uh, to take the postal service exam, which I had waited a long time for. This was right when the band was getting started. Because I didn't go to college really either, and then I, uh, I didn't do anything actually and was completely wasting my life. And then very randomly, the band got started up, so now I have a thing to do. But before that, I was like, fuck, I don't have any money, and I definitely... I'm having a super hard time finding jobs, even with these falsified resumes. So, but then you so, were on TV. Yeah, and yeah. That's fucking crazy. Uh, now yeah. I can do whatever I want for another year. And but if you could get that job, once that shit's done, are you gonna? Yeah, are you gonna be a mail carrier? I would love to. It's a great. It's an awesome job. I love walking around. It's what I. What's what I do the most anyway. So I could just get paid to walk around. Do I, they really walk around? I mean, I'm totally foreign to all this so they walk around up here there's no i guess i never see like a male oh in in queens and stuff they do they they have a car in some parts of queens to drive around with yeah but here they have like a little cart like a little like a three-wheel cart thing that they push around with with all all the mail in it and then like oh lord everyone loves their mailman i guess I'm like actually I'm I'm really looking forward to when you become a mailman. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Because also mailman is one of those careers that like is you can stereotypically like fetishize sort of. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like ooh my my boyfriend's a hot mailman. <laughs> like it's like can even, I can I put real? my I don't know. Well, like I don't people love firemen. The big to do was like oh their their mail bags or whatever are like such good DJ bags. Have you ever heard that? No way. Like people being like. I've been in certain situations where people are like, oh, man, you know, I'm trying to get like this mailbag off eBay or whatever because it's like really good to carry records in. Oh, weird. But I I mean, that's the only time I'd ever. That's also Delaware people talking about it. Yeah. 
so <laughs> it might be out of context anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. So the crackle nail polish just kind of breaks apart when uh, a couple of minutes after you put it on. Is that what it does? Yeah, and then it shows the color that you put under it. But mm. I didn't do a good job. I just scraped off some of it on the finger and. Crackle nail polish. It's not new, right? It's it's a recent itch thing. I would say like it really blew up uh, the Katy Perry for OPI collection. That's when the first Black Shatter came out. That was like (laughs) widely known. I am gonna nerd the fuck (laughs) out. Dude, I know. I'm so excited. Just just (laughs) just bear with me. What is it? Black Shatter. Yeah, that's what it's called. The OPI version. OPI is another a a brand that does. And and Nicki Minaj has a new um, OPI nail polish line out right now, which I really want. Did it on them, which is a chartreuse. What's chartreuse? I've heard that. Is that? It's a lime lime color kind of. Uh So, but like, is there a single polish that like nail completists are like? You know the f- yes, most fetishized. Which what is Clarence two thirty? What is it? What it's it basically like? just like a multicolor, uh, kind of three dimensional shimmer oh, that is like purplish, bluish. Um, I'm not. There's actually a dupe for it. If we had Max Factor here, Fantasy Fire is the one. Fantasy Fire Max just came Factor? out. I mean, if I had somebody that I knew in England, I would be like, "Yo, homie." Won't you cop that <coughs> fantasy fire? Yeah. <laughs> and this Max Factor fantasy fire is very close to Clarence 230. Yep, it's considered a dupe. Well, this exactly, looks which means it's exactly the same thing. Uh, I mean, it, it usually is just like very close, mm. like not a replacement. This is actually referred to as unicorn pee. These bottles, I think, demonstrate the best. Dude, this is Clarence 230 is the jam. I think and they sell for like two fifty online. What? And how and how old is that? When did those come out? That was before my time. I n- never really conceived of buying a Clarins nail polish. Um, like nineteen ninety one. No, probably not then. Probably like the early two thousands. Uh, Whoa! Uh, why don't they just make another one? If they because that's the it's thing. It's very hard to do. That's the thing. I mean, I think it's just like. People don't get it. And it's the same thing as like rap music or anything else is people aren't paying attention to the audience. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really? Like, yeah. It's like, give people what they want. Why are you like dancing around? <sighs> well, there is actually this super successful woman uh, that goes by the name of Linderella, who's from New York, who is what they call a Frankener, which means that she basically like creates her own polishes, but hers are mostly like large, chunky glitter based. But... I mean, to me, that's... Frankener, the technical term for a nail polish creator? Uh, it's like more like an internet lingo, okay. like the community Frankener. around it. So, so, but you've considered it? Um, Not really. Like, I would love to be, you know, somebody... I think for me it was... I don't know if I like nail polish in that way. Like, I'd love to be a nail tech and just do people's nails, like, and make them happy. But it's just not... For me, it's just weird. I don't, I don't have any context for this obsession. I guess it's like really similar to collecting records. It's like, yeah, I like listening to them, but obviously, like, I'm not gonna be listening to them all at once. So anybody could come in and be like, "This is such a waste." Right. Definitely, I think like since I was a kid, like I just always had to have like I'm really into slight variations on things. Yeah. Like I, even when I thrift, like I'll buy the same exact thing that's varied slightly. I probably own like 15 like blue Oxford button downs of various variations, short sleeve, long sleeve, three quarter sleeve, 
different brands, different collar shapes. I mean, I'm just really particular about like certain details. If I could just focus on one thing, I totally think I could like go in and do something with it. But I'm just so ADD about the things that I'm really into. Um, Nail polish is just this thing that, well, my parents owned a nail, like not a nail salon, but a hair salon that had nails in it. At the time, I didn't really care about any of that stuff. I was just obsessed with the fact like there were these drag queens working there and it was really fun to just be there and hang out with them and just get this whole context for this whole other like bizarro world of like, yeah. I get fabulous type yeah. thing. But um, I used to like wash hair there, but I still like didn't really get it. For as into makeup and hair and stuff as my mom was, like as a kid, I, would, I just didn't click. Like I didn't really start getting into any of that stuff until way, way later. But the nail polish stuff, I think all of the makeup stuff and all of the nail stuff is like, that's that's me facilitating this artistic interest without doing art anymore. Yeah. Like I used to paint. Like, color to me is just, it's just everything. It's just amazing. I think it's the moods that you can create. Um, and I think that's all, like, a circumstance of me not really doing art anymore right it's just like how do i get this like energy for color out in some way yeah but like i still actually get this little bit but when i go to like ricky's and look at the essie stand essie is a brand of nail polish she's from new york essie weingarten essie weingarten but like i would always look at it and be like this is all a variation on a pale pink like a lot of her shit is like a variation on a pale pink and that's and I'm totally like, what she's known for yeah like what the fuck i was i would always be like bitch like really do you need like this many different shades but i kind of get it now because like obviously you have to like account for like varying skin tones and like very you know what what shade of white you happen to be wearing or whatever i don't know well, a lot of those are based on the sort of idea of a french manicure so you have a french manicure which is that you know kind of clearish base coat pinkish toned usually and like a stark white mm-hmm. tip well the american version of that is a more neutral tip so like i think all those whites are totally and then you can play with like the sheer base undercolor and have it be sort of like clear and sparkly type thing yeah um for me uh essie's definitely i mean the branding of that the bottle yeah the bottle's really cool yeah like aesthetically like i just love that yeah the other thing people are totally not so over is the chanel polishes like every season people are just like this is what i need also the consistency of chanel nail polish is really good well they super updated in the past year because it used to just be this is something anupa and i what I always talk about is just like them chipping all the time and be like, like I just paid $25 for the shit. Yeah. But for me, I see it as like here you have women communicating or congregating around this thing. And, uh, I just think there's something like, there's a story to be told there. Yeah. Like, why? Awesome. Like you have like these nerdy dudes collecting records and there's documentaries about that. Why isn't there a documentary about women collecting nail polish? I was actually just going to say that. Like if like a thousand nail polishes, even like 10,000 nail polishes, I don't think that makes you a hoarder because A, the shit is tiny. Like even when you have 10,000, it's not like going to take They're up. always organized and spreadsheeted. I've never seen anybody have yeah. completely messy nail area. Well, I think for me, you should see my nail shoebox. <laughs> <but laughs> where maybe I become a hoarder is that I not only have like 
300 nail polishes but i have like a thousand records and like 60 pairs of shoes like it's just, but you're not gonna die from the these things falling yeah, over on top I'm totally, of you like, i mean i don't have okay. cats dying in my nail polish yeah. <laughs> your mom and robert smith are the same age yes say born the same year and i'm always just like yo mom like what's good with all this other stuff that you clearly weren't into my mom was <laughs> very much so like a rocker chick like she's like hate disco type thing oh shit yeah it's like i think you missed out on like the best part yeah dude <laughs> disco would be would have been a fun time studio 54 she was just that like a rock out stoner bro that's cool uh i don't not care i th- i'm pretty interested in it it's weird we have this hard part of our hands so we can scratch and defend ourselves and in the modern world people decorate it and probably in the non-modern world, they probably did the same. Yeah, I think it was like an Egyptian thing. First. Yes, I, I'm actually more, in, much more interested in nail polish than I am in most things. Uh, but I haven't gone out and, find, and discovered anything for myself. One thing I really <laughs> love is like catching dudes clipping their nails. Like I think that's so funny because it's like, well, what are you doing right now? Yeah, right. <laughs> what are you up to? You're just, you know, were they too long for you? Like, you know, it was one of my favorites, um, Sex and Candy. Yes, me and my <laughs> friend were so obsessed with that because we were like, this is so like controversial and shit. Like that's semen. What is semen? I don't even know what that is. Like, yeah. I was such a dunce about all that stuff, like all growing up. I didn't know anything. They mentioned semen in this song? Well, there's like this part of the video because uh-huh. I watched every music video from that period. But like he's like laying on the floor after like this girl's walked by and there's this puddle of like white milk that comes out from under him. Oh. And that's that's so gross, actually. Really? <laughs> that's disgusting. Right? Okay. <laughs> I had a pair of Jinkos because my friend oh, had yeah. sister. But I never wore them out of the house. I just thought it was so cool that she was just lounging in these Jinkos. Like, I was like, yeah. this is so awesome. These fucking baggy jeans. Like, of course, they're comfortable. Yeah. But they didn't really fit me too well. I think if you have, like, a big ass, like, it was just not working. And, like, <laughs> the actual seam would be just, like, up your butt. And yeah. it just wasn't a good look. <laughs> to me, I'm still, I can still be, like... Yeah, but Pearl Jam, you know, that's, like, one of those things that was real about the 90s. Right. Like, my time was, like, such an awful... Like, it was, like, the thing with Spin Magazine where they're, like, we got really awful at this point in time. Yeah. What happened? And it was pretty Spin much... Spin Magazine said they sucked at a certain point? Yeah. I mean, that's just, I think, this generally accepted thing. It just became totally mainstream, and it was an alternative magazine. Yeah. Yeah, it became mainstream at some point in the... The late 90s were a terrible, terrible time. Late 90s. You know, and also the thing about this 90s nostalgia bullshit. Yeah, but Mace. Like... Mace was awesome. I mean, Harlem World, like... Harlem World was the shit. (laughs) (laughs) The 90s revival shit is just, like... I think it's... It's also, like, an aesthetic that was also sort of diversified. Like, we're only really commenting on this sort of, like, grunge rock thing. But then you have, like, sort of the acid-dropping, like... I don't even know. You probably know about more about how to contextualize this like than I rave do. Shit. Yeah, like rave shit, exactly. The one thing that, like, with 90s fashion that's coming back that I'm really psyched about is the sort of boy London um, 90s, yes. like, house movement, like, like real sort of, like, early um, kind of gay house culture style that's been back for a little bit. I'm about that. Um, all right. So the last thing that um, so yesterday it was revealed and confirmed by my man Heathcliff Baru that Earl Sweatshirt is in fact home. 
I'm like really awful at the odd feature stuff. Like I can appreciate it from afar, but I just like don't care. It's so bad. I'm That's usually okay. not like that with stuff, but my whole attitude towards them is like I really could care less. Yeah. Like I like Tyler <laughs> as a character. Like he's hilarious, but like I'm not bumping odd feature by any means. I think you might be outside of the age demo, kind of, because like going to all their shows, the shit was like all completely encompassed. Like they're average audience age is like 18 so i think it's also like i used to listen to actual punk music and the fact that like that's kind of what they're going for i'm just kind of like cool like like i like it's not like i'm blowing them off completely because i think they have a place and i like what they're doing in terms of like the broader context of it but yeah but then you showed me blackie and my eyes were completely opened yes yes it's true one time blackie came blackie and fat tony were on tour over the summer and um, they played a show in Bushwick at this, like, after-hours deli. Like, it was a deli in the day, but then it was, like, they opened it up for the like show. A deli convenience store, and then they had a show. They had a show there. And it was just a parking lot in this little uh, deli. Yeah. Anyway, it's just cool that some of that wild is, like, such a soft-spoken dude. Yeah, and he doesn't drink. He only right. drinks Sprite, I remember, from that night. I think uh, the thing for me that like really like blew me away about Blackie is like he really did give me that feeling that it was like 2002. Yeah. And things were to some degree pure. Like he definitely has a morality about him. Yeah. He's definitely about. That obviously something like Odd Future doesn't have or even Death Grips as we so compared him to. Right. This cat. This cat. The cat sucks. That's why he's going away (laughs) to a cat farm. The cat is going away. This cat's going to be glue in a week. All right. Cool. Thanks for coming on to the show. Yeah, it's definitely awesome. Like, proud to be the second Chitu Chatu. Chitu Chatu in the business.